Hey, everyone, and welcome to our final episode of season one. When we started the show back in September of 2020, here's how we first introduced ourselves to the world. Hi, welcome to the Working Better podcast, a show about problems worth solving and the technology required to solve them. My name is Scott Herms. I work for a company called Kin and Carta, a technology consulting firm with offices in cities including London, Chicago, New York, and Buenos Aires. We build custom applications, software, websites, robots, and other cloud-native, data-driven, human-centered, next-gen, AI-enabled, solution-focused solutions. We also, evidently, get paid by the buzzword. Well, we certainly delivered on the promise of buzzwords. Today, we're going to do something a little different than previous episodes. We're actually going to break one of our own rules. I know what you might be thinking. Scott, how could you? Rules are meant to be upheld at all times. Or, to quote the legendary philosopher George Costanza, You know, we're living in a society! The rule we're breaking is this. The show is supported by Kin and Carta, but it's not about Kin and Carta. We design working better to focus on problems and questions with real social, human, and cultural consequences. Contact tracing and combating COVID-19, mental health, voting technology, unconscious bias, climate change, ethics and AI, propaganda and misinformation, and the danger of Legos to bare feet. We often pull Ken and Carter folks in to help us understand those issues. This time around, we're shifting the spotlight to Ken and Carter, and for good reason. Because ever since our second episode about social distancing and mental health, dozens of Kin and Carta employees have been working to not just help us understand the problem, but actually build solutions that can help solve it. Here's the promise we made back in episode two in October. We interrupt this podcast to bring you this exciting news. Our labs team will be taking on this problem. They're going to put together a scrappy team of researchers, designers, Instagram influencers, and developers to see how we can recreate the random connection experience while working remotely. Over the next eight weeks, we'll track their progress and turn it into the final podcast of the season. This is podcast history in the making. We now return you to our regularly scheduled podcast already in progress. We posed a challenge to the company. How can we help people feel more connected while working remotely. Today, we're going to showcase and celebrate three different answers to that question. Not just theory, not frameworks, real working prototypes that our labs team have developed and put in the hands of employees here at Kin and Carta to actually bring people together. I'm still very distant, but also very social. I'm Scott Herms. This is Working Better. My name is Omar Shanti. I'm a technical consultant here at Kin and Carta been at the company for around three years. Additionally, I serve as the lead of Labs Americas. Chris Weiland, um, at Kin and Carta, I'm a technical director and the director of Kin and Carta Americas Labs. Omar and Chris run our labs team, who has made all this possible. If you listen to our episode about play and experimentation at work from about a month ago, you might remember Labs. I'll, I'll let Chris explain what Labs is all about. As Omar mentioned, we're the innovation center, but we, we're, we're driven by innovation. So what we do is we explore, we discover, and we try to realize the art of the possible, where sort of technology, emerging technologies meet business value for our clients. And so what we want to do is kind of stay out ahead of the curve to make sure that we're prepared to understand and that we understand the, the value of emerging tech and really understand how it might help our clients succeed. Awesome. And what, what are some examples of some projects that have come out of labs or that labs has sponsored? Some of the uh, explorations and experiences we've built um, include uh, explorations in AI, and computer vision, data and knowledge graphs, blockchain, virtual reality, augmented reality, robotics, 
uh, Internet of Things IoT, conversational user experience, immersive environments, and human-computer interaction. And Omar, so when I came to you with the idea for uh, what, what is now called the Connect Challenge, which is basically how labs could run some experiments to find solutions to the problems that we see involved with uh, socially distanced working. You know, what, what made you think it was a good match for labs and, and what got you excited about that? Mm. Yeah, great question. So in my opinion, the labs projects that best deliver are the ones that deliver value on multiple different streams. So as Chris mentioned, you have values on the business scale where um, we demonstrate to companies how they can leverage emerging technologies in their own industries and in their own settings. But also labs can help build up people within the company and skill sets that they want to learn, but don't quite have the space for. So for folks who are looking to pick up a new technology or for designers looking to try out new experiments, or even for product strategists looking to kind of deliver in a new fashion, labs provides a means for us to develop our own. And then additionally, labs projects might also build something which we can use day in and day out and talk about and be really proud of. And in many ways, the Connect Challenge kind of lived at the intersection of all three. People were playing with technologies and playing in roles that they had never done before. Great. So you've decided, okay, Connect Challenge is a good match for labs. How do you go about getting those ideas, soliciting people to submit their ideas? How do you get people excited and then you know once we have those ideas how did how do we pick uh, the three we ended up with so as always labs tries to kind of democratize innovation to tackle this we started with an ideation session which lasted around two weeks uh, we had a couple of guided sessions on how folks can come up with ideas and we presented a template out to the company of how they can elaborate the value of their ideas i think we almost hit double digits from there we worked with our stakeholders you, Scott, specifically, <laughs> and the rest of the team to come up with a criteria based on feasibility, innovation, practicality, and kind of the compellingness of the argument and whether we think that this will actually have the desired effect. The desired effect being to help colleagues, friends, and rivals, Kent, reconnect after working physically apart for a year, which is what made this lab's engagement particularly unique. We're the users we're building for. We asked the team to describe what it's like to work remotely for now nearly a year. Here's what we heard. Yeah, I'd say there's definitely pros and cons to it. It's been tough. It's been a challenge for sure, just from a mental health perspective, I'd say. Originally, I had a desk next to my wife, and then we ended up clearing out a second bedroom and making that an office for hers. And the con definitely is the interaction, the physical moving around, being at the office. Today's interactions are with my four-year-old, <laughs> or uh, you know, and, and it's not the same type of interaction as it does. There's some energy there, but it's, it's definitely not the same. I originally thought, you know, hey, well, at first I thought, you know, this wouldn't last a year or more. I really liked coming to the office and seeing people and everything like that and talking to them. It was kind of how I got my social interaction throughout the week. But there are pros that I, I try to take with me every day, more time with my husband, who is now my coworker, and then no commuting. These life milestones that we celebrate and experience together that we're no longer really able to do, or you know, you find out somebody is pregnant because now you get an out of office reply that they're on maternity or paternity leave. It's been pretty different here, known as the longest quarantine in the world. I could kind of sense the energy at the end of 2020 really kind of fading on our teams. And I think we were all missing normalcy and really craving that. Those are the voices who are going to walk us through what they built, 
how they built it, and what they learned along the way. Omar and Chris, thank you. I want to waste no time and dive into the first team. The first experience is called Office World. Again, the original challenge was to bring people closer together because we're unable to be in the office together physically. Their answer? Bring people into the office virtually. Office World is a 3D, interactive, virtual space that reimagines Ken and Carter's Chicago office as a multiplayer video game environment. And it's incredible. Here's my conversation with the Office World team. This group is working on a concept called Office World, and I'm very excited to meet with them. And so to get that rolling, um, I'll just have the, each of them introduce themselves. So, uh, uh, Charlie? Sure. Charlie Farmer. I'm a product strategy consultant at Kinecarta. For Office World, I was doing product. I was helping out with strategy and some of the, the more product-focused things, but also research and a little Scrum Master stuff. I'm Praneet Seigel, Senior Technical Consultant at Kinecarta. Uh, I worked as the engineer on the project. Hi, I'm Tyler McCreary. I'm a technical consultant at Kinecarta. I do mostly front-end web, but on this project, I work with Unity as an engineer. My name is Isabel Stamatova. I've been with Kinecarta for a little bit more than uh, five years. I'm a QA on my current project as a senior, and uh, also QA on the Office Work project. A very Excited to break stuff. Tell us a little bit about Office World. Uh, what is it? The core idea for Office World is that uh, it's to put together a virtual space for people to hang out in. Because we're all kind of working remote, a lot of us are kind of staying in the same spot. We're sitting at our desks. We're you know talking to the same people and just staring at a computer screen. But the cool thing about putting together this interactive experience or a game is the fact that there is actually a virtual space that you can walk around in and interact with. And there's areas to go and things to explore. The ultimate goal was like we needed a something that felt like a space or like a town square or an office or something like that that we wanted people to be able to play in. Yeah, and if I can just layer on there. I think we all have kind of adjusted to working from home and remotely, but like Pranit mentioned, there are things about being in the same space with people that is really great, right? And especially at a place like Kinecarta, the, the people are also cool and smart and like easy to hang out with that any type of company sort of event that, that did take place. And there were a lot of them, you know, there's always these happy hours after work and there's always like organized coffee breaks or whatever it might be. Those were a lot of fun and a lot of uh, a good way to sort of interact with people in a non-work setting in a lot of ways where those barriers of like, oh, I gotta talk about work, or I gotta talk about this. You just like get to know people better for who they are. And I think that's the piece that's that's missing when we, we do work remotely. Yeah, definitely, Charlie, I'd agree with that. You and I uh, worked on a client for a, a good period of time and I, I know that the ping pong table, uh, you know, was a, a form of connection for many people on that team, yourself included. Oh yeah. So I was glad to see it made it into the, uh, the the cut in office world. Was that literally the first thing after you decided to build an office? Was that the first thing you decided to put in, or did that come through user research? Yeah, good question. And guys, jump in here. But the way I remember it is, we were talking about like, okay, we know we have some foundational pieces we need to build. It was really like high level three themes we wanted to hit on. Identity, like who you are within the space. What is this space? Like, you know, actual, the model of the office. And then some sort of interaction. And that's where we thought, you know, that opportunity for connection would happen. And so we all, it, it, Praneet led us through this sort of user journey mapping where we, we kind of walked through what, what are the things you do day to day? What was a typical day and what does that flow look like? We try to look at those flows and say, okay, where are those points 
that kind of bubble up as those those opportunities for connection. If you do play a game of ping pong, or if you play like a board game with the group after work, or if you you know we have a poker club and like, or if you're at a social happy hour, those types of things, that's where the connections happened. It was also kind of cool because uh, after we put in pong during the user research sessions, we actually were validated that this was something that was really useful to put in. Um, I think in particular, one of our uh, fellow Kin and Carta employees was really happy that it was pong and not something more complicated because everyone knows pong. It's such a classic game. Uh, it's almost like a rite of passage to build a pong game if you're working in game development. Hi, uh, Future Scott here. I'm going to jump in from time to time to help fill in the gaps. In terms of office world, what can't be overstated is the level of detail this team achieved in replicating our office. The dimensions are accurate to the centimeter. The colors of the walls are exactly the blue of our walls. The kitchen looks like the kitchen. The, the tile on the floor is the real tile. Adam Graham is a UX engineer who helped on this team. He didn't join the conversation, but deserves a lot of credit for the modeling. Also, this flawless video game-esque music you've been hearing? Matthias Macri is the team member who wrote and recorded it for Office World. Crazy, right? Okay, back into the time machine to rejoin Interview Scott in the past. Bling, 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 bling. Let's talk a little about the user uh, testing. We're obviously it's a huge part of what we do at Ken and Carta, right? We we definitely do a lot of user research, and um, with a video game, it's it's critical because, like you say, what you expect people to enjoy in gameplay is not going to be actually what it was. You know, what was some of the first reactions the first time people actually started the game and saw that shot of the office, right? I think it, it doesn't it, it replicates kind of coming off the elevators, right, into the into the main lobby. So I think the first reaction that we got uh, out of a lot of people, a lot of people were surprised just how close to the office it looked like. And we were also pleasantly surprised to see as long as we got like 80% of the way there uh, to the office, I think a lot of people's brains kind of filled in the rest and thought, oh, yeah, this is definitely the office. This is exactly what I'd expect. And uh, it was also kind of interesting that a couple of the people who've been working at Kindergarten for a long time got very nostalgic and, you know, kind of misty eyed about being able to see the office because they haven't been in the office since before the pandemic. Right. In particular, I think uh, Val, who used to be our office manager, was kind of sitting there for a minute thinking, you know, she had to take a minute, be like, oh, my God, this is the office. I can't believe we're, you know, I'm in the office, which I think was kind of amazing. Yeah. And Val literally was the, the leader of the project to build out that office when we moved from five to seven. So she has a really deep personal connection to that entire layout. Like she, she took me on a tour when it was all under construction. You could just see the, the pride that she had in helping drive that project to completion. So if anybody was going to be choked up about seeing it, I could definitely see her uh, being deeply affected. Anything that people try to do um, in the virtual office that you did not expect? Oh, there's a really good one. So one of the things that is standard in games that you would not expect in the office is the ability to jump. Most people walking around in actual office space do not jump around the office. But when we put people into the virtual space, a lot of people who had experience playing games before immediately tried to jump and they were delighted to see that they were able to and immediately started doing things like parkour and jumping on tables and trying to figure out, you know, how do we how do I get into spaces and get onto things that I'm not normally supposed to be able to do in the office? That was definitely very surprising. And when we actually straight up asked people, you know, would you like to keep the jump in the game? Everyone said yes, despite the fact it is not something you would ever do in an office. There was a Congo line at one point. There was races happening from, you know, down this hallway to the other door. And there was like a referee that made sure that everything was above board and who actually won one. Um, there was a mosh pit that then kind of awkwardly turned into a group hug because arms don't move. What Charlie's <laughs> and, describing uh, here was one of my favorite things to watch unfold. 
It happened usually in the playtest with larger groups. 10, 12 people at a time would almost immediately figure out things they could do that were never planned for. In game design, it's an idea referred to as emergent gameplay. In addition to conga lines and relay races, simple text fields provided a similar challenge for the team to consider. The team had created a feature allowing players to add their name or a message above their avatars. It didn't take long for the team to realize the text field could be also used to say other things. And this is kind of typical, like in software development, you have to think about like happy path and sad path, right? And so like when you are creating your username, our idea was let's just create a freeform text field. You can put in as many characters you want, whatever you want, um, and it'll display above your character's head and respond to the office. Quickly, everybody was like, well, what if somebody puts swear words or something inappropriate or like we're going to have an EX nightmare? And we talked about, you know, trying to find a library that would allow us to do some some filtering for swear words and, you know, in different languages and all this. And it was really like I was like, holy shit, this is possible. This is just like you can pretty much do it, whatever you want there, you know. And uh, Isabella, who was the QA on the team was like, oh, I can test Bulgarian stuff, like just to make sure that the system is working. That's Isabella, who you may remember introduced herself earlier as the one who was excited to break stuff. Isabella works in quality assurance, meaning, yeah, basically her job is to find ways to break things, including conjuring up every four-letter word she can think of. They even have a name on my team for the defects. They're called Isabella defect. <laughs> This is name only for uh, the weird defect that they believe that nobody can find. <laughs> it was just really funny. So we all got off the call laughing that day and, and added it into the definition of the story going forward. That's great. That was definitely a memorable moment for me. Uh, I actually did go online and look, and GitHub does have a big list of naughty words that you can use for your project to make sure that you catch all of the naughty words that you wouldn't want people to be able to put into your text fields. I just want to take a step back in, maybe I'll start with you on this, Praneet, uh, and then everyone else can chime in, is when we work on a labs project, it's a little different than how we work on normal projects, but maybe you sort of describe what's our the, the process that you went through to build this out generally, and then in what ways is it like different than how you normally work? In what ways is it the same, I guess, as well? For me, even though I have uh, worked on some of the some game development projects on the side before, uh, this was actually a chance to flex some slightly different muscles. Um, this project was heavier on networking than some of my other projects. Uh, so I had a chance to actually, this is the nice thing about labs, I had a chance to kind of experiment uh, as well on my own, like on something that I would normally have to do on my own. Instead, I got to experiment it with Ken and Carta and figure out, okay, how do you set up a server and clients to connect to that server and set up that shared game world? So that was actually really rewarding. Yeah, I think uh, just the one thing I wanted to add was that with these labs projects, these are done um, in our spare time, like outside of the core working hours. Um, so an important thing is that we're all like, excited about the project and like we want to work on it for some reason we're like super good match i would say like because it's really hard to have a pretty passionate and like quick team and i think that we had luck to like all of us to be passionate about it and also like uh, initiative i think that maybe there is like the fate decide to like put us all together <laughs> I would say uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on from a technical aspect, I think there is some uh, it's a little cool from a technical aspect, what we put together, because 
we generally work on these kind of like single person experiences working on an app and it's kind of disconnected. There might be some talking with a web server, but in a system such as Unity and like running on Google Cloud Platform, like we've actually connected people together in real time in the same space. Um, it's not something that we get to do every day on projects. It's not something that clients even think is feasible, but uh, in a lot of cases there is technology on, you know, off the shelf that you can grab to actually put this stuff together and get people you know, interacting in real time in a virtual space. So I think it'd be kind of cool to like show this off to some clients to kind of show, you know, here's the realm of possibilities. Here's the art of the possible. These kind of interactive experiences are not like crazy pie in the sky fantasies. They're things that, you know, teams can put together pretty quickly and pretty rapidly. So it's definitely worth looking into for the enterprise too. Great. What's next? What do you, what's the next round of features coming out? Where are we at? Beta, alpha? What's our launch date? When do we go live for 1,600 people? <laughs> The next kind of interaction point we want to have is something we heard a lot from the playtests, and I and I think we've even started on is um, the ability to drink coffee mm. and, or, or do something with coffee. And yeah. so what we came up with was, let's say you can go and pour yourself a cup of coffee, drink it, and for 15 seconds you can move really fast. Oh yeah. And so there's like a meter that would show up, and you can yeah <laughs> uh, get an energy boost after drinking coffee. So that's uh, one of the main things that's that's Coming out next, we we have, as a result of the playtest and, and presenting at the company meeting uh, about a week ago, we had some more people get involved and be interested in actually joining the team. And so we have two more developers to onboard and kind of get stood up and, and, and get some work too. So we actually are supposed to meet this week on like next set of priorities, but those are the things that are in progress. Yeah. And with what Charlie said about like the coffee is hopefully that supports more of the uh, like emerging gameplay of people trying to do parkour. It's like all right, I got coffee. Now I can jump higher, run faster. Let's see what I can really do. Another thing that I think was on our priority list now is uh, a little bit more player customization. So right now we didn't really have much outside the color, but one of the things I do remember, distinctly remember coming up was the idea of let's add hats because everyone loves virtual hats for some reason. Um, I'm not sure why, but we're going to go ahead and add them at some point because everyone loves hats. Some we had talked about and some of those things were sort of reflected in the in the user tests. And then also some new things came up during the user test. So to me, like we thought about, you know, how can this be utilized for events? Every week we have the company meeting on Thursday, as you guys know, and and that was the early idea of like, how could we utilize, could we have a company meeting in Office World or a quarterly in Office World, right? And at one point, I think it was you, Scott, even that in our uh, Office World channel on Slack came up with the idea of hosting our uh, yearly conference forward in Office World. And Scott, you did give us all a little bit of internal panic when you brought up the idea for forward. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. For, yeah. for anyone trying to do this at home, just keep in mind, building a massive multiplayer online game is not a good idea for your first game project. Try Pong first. Amazing stuff. If you're interested in seeing the full game in action, go to Kin and Carta. K-I-N-A-N-D-C-A-R-T-A dot com forward slash working dash better. And we'll continue to add updates. So for Office World, the answer to the problem was to create the simple joy of sharing a space together, a, a town square, as Praneet put it. It was amazing to watch people take to it with such enthusiasm because it really did feel like you were in the office. Plus, who doesn't love a virtual mosh pit slash group hug? Okay, next up. If the Office World team was looking at the big picture of what the office feels like, this next group zoomed in further into that picture to examine people's real everyday interactions, particularly those that are tough to replicate remotely. The concept is called Fancy Meeting You Here, 
Let's meet the team. My name is Amar Hassan Nicarda. I'm a Scrum Master. I'm Frenchy Silva, a product strategist, and my role on the team is really being Ahmad's right-hand person, um, <laughs> keeping us on track and following his lead. Chris Weiland, um, at Kin and Carta, I'm a technical director and the director of Kin and Carta America's Labs. Um, on this engagement, I'm the product owner. My name is Trish Berry, and I'm a program manager at Kin and Carta. And on this particular stream work, I am a cheerleader. I tend to jump in and encourage the team. Well, welcome, everybody. So, Chris, I'll, I'll throw this over to you and other people can jump in as needed. But what's the concept behind uh, Fancy Meeting You here? Well, um, as its name suggested, I think it kind of in my head captured the idea that, you know, when you bump into someone you weren't expecting to see, in some context, maybe you weren't expecting to see them. And he's like, hey, Fancy Meeting You here. Surprise, surprise. At the office, you know, I didn't walk to the cafe and just kind of stand there hoping to bump into someone. You know, I was walking probably to get coffee or whatever. and. You know, Ahmad's standing there, you know, uh, the, the king of coffee. And it's like, Ahmad, what's the latest in coffee? What are you drinking? You know, three minutes, not work related at all, but very connection and bond related at work. And one of the things I wanted to try to accomplish was to find out if we could come up with a, you know, technical, digital driven way to jump out of that whole environment and into another one relatively easily. You know, we were doing all this brainstorming ideation and then we kept like, Oh, how are we going to connect this to something technical? Like what's going to come next? Like trying to make it super complicated. And then through research, which is so cool to me, sent out this survey to the firm. And from everybody's responses, we found hallway. So this underscores an important part of the labs process and the tech world in general. Not building things from scratch if something's already built that you can build on top of. Here's what Chris had to say. We essentially shaved off four months of development time to get to a point where we had a digital tool to test our hypothesis by bringing in something like Hallway. The project didn't start out, you know, let's find a tool that does what we need. Our project started out, let's find a way to address this problem of connecting people remotely. Hallway quickly became the foundational answer for Fancy Meeting You Here. It's a plugin that works with Slack, our messaging service, enhancing a tool that we already use to connect, an app within an app, so to speak. The idea is basically to create quick opportunities to interact with coworkers via a Zoom call, but instead of action items and PowerPoint presentations, it's a five-minute conversation about Bridgerton or grilled cheese recipes or how Benedict Cumberbatch can't say the word penguin. Literally anything other than work. So this hallway, just like you said, um, basically you can set them up at random. You can set them up at scheduled times. It all depends on, you know, who's creating that specific hallway um, type meeting and there's ways to force it. But basically we set up a channel for uh, people to voluntarily join if they want to have these spontaneous interactions, which was one of our hypotheses is, are people feeling the same thing as we're feeling? And uh, we have over almost close to a hundred people in this channel that are voluntarily there wanting to join and they can just join a random hallway that gets popped in. Right now I have it set to like three times a day. So three times a day, we'll like just say, hey, take a break, join this hallway, click this join button, which was another thing like making it very seamless so that nobody has to like type anything in. All you have to really do is press a join button and you're already in a Zoom call with the other people that voluntarily joined this bumping into spontaneous interaction meeting. You mentioned you did a lot of user research to, to get to this point. Were there any surprises in that uh, user research? I think 
what we've tried to be most mindful of or sensitive to this whole time is knowing that because we are remote, we can't physically get together right now due to the pandemic. And people do have Zoom fatigue and our employee experience team is evaluating how we're all managing through that and how we're all dealing with that. And I think for me, just the most encouraging thing, maybe not surprising, but encouraging was that people still wanted to do this. I do have an experience to share. It was like the first week we introduced hallway and it was the first Friday that there was a hallway meet, like literally at 450 or 455. And I joined it. I think I was the only one at the time, but then people just started like rolling in, just like if they had just grabbed their bag and their jacket and they were heading towards the hallway and they were just kind of like bumping into me as they as they passed by to go to the elevator. And they're just like, hey, and talking to me for like a couple of seconds, and like, have a good weekend and we'll see you soon and all these other things. And it just had this feel nostalgic of that normal cadence that we used to go through when we were in the office. And a couple other people were joining and leaving and coming back. Uh, and this happened for like, I think it was like 20 minutes or so. We were just kind of chatting up before the weekend. And then as soon as everybody dropped off of the call, I got a stream of messages from the people that were within that hallway, just like, wow, that was amazing. For a brief second, I thought I wasn't on a Zoom call. Like I was in a hallway with the group, kind of just passing by them, talking to them, haven't seen this person in forever. It's not that we're trying to recreate the actual experience. It's almost like the benefit of the experience. I think it was the very first hallway that was just kind of put out there that I jumped on. And I think Omar and Ahmad, you were on it as well. And I literally said, fancy meeting you here. And it wasn't planned. It just happened. Now, I know it was stuck in the back of my head because it's on the project. But that was my first thought. It was like, oh, random, random chat. Fancy meeting you here. I wouldn't call that, you know, validation, a research, you know, set N equals one. But that was pretty cool. And Trish, have you uh, joined any of these conversations? And if so, how is it different than your sort of normal? I'm, I'm assuming you're on a lot of Zoom meetings in and out of the day. Like, did it feel differently? Was it? Close to the feeling of being back in the office? Yeah, I've been in quite a few. What's really great about it, for me at least, is it seems to pop up when I have just five minutes. I don't know if that's just coincidence or just me. One of my favorites that I've been to was the coffee break. And I think Ahmad even put it up on or showed it at the one of our weekly team meetings. But it was super, like Omar went walking with his coffee, right, to go get his coffee. You saw his coffee mug. It was about coffee, and that's what we used to do, so... That makes me feel like we're in the office as well. Anything that can make someone say, I forgot I was on a Zoom call, is magic in my book. What really struck me about this group was how pleasantly surprised and energized they were when people responded really positively to the experience. Particularly when for folks like Ahmad, this was not their first attempt in trying to rally coworkers around different ways of interacting while remote. I tried a bunch of different ways to get people to connect and interact with each other. I set up like a movie night. I set up a game night. You know, I didn't even know anything about this Connect Challenge until Omar kind of pointed out to me, like, this is me. This is my challenge. Like, this is something that he knows that I've been wanting to do and get people reconnected with. And when he reached out to me, it's like, you are the champion of this. You should take this on. And I was like, like let me hear what it's all about. Fine. Go ahead, Omar. And Omar with, you know, his accent and all that stuff, he like put the magic on me. The most memorable piece of this has just been this, I don't know what word, like the sincerity or like the goodness behind all of this. 
even though it's extra time or it's after hours type of work, to be able to be supported, to think of ways to better foster connections between old kin, new kin. It's very unique, I would say. Whether or not they're related to the, the billable bottom line, I think there's always that support or encouragement to pursue new ideas, to work better together, to grow ourselves, to learn. And it's just really special. Thanks, French. You get, uh, we'll, we'll send you your working better gift certificate for working the title into your response. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Max is cheering you on. So what's, what's next? So we've discovered that people want to connect. Um, we discovered that there's definitely a low cost way or like, you know, there's no, no build or buy option to sort of generate some level of interaction, you know, and it's got its, its pluses and its minuses, you know, obviously, like I think it's been mentioned, everyone's on Zoom a lot. What's next for fancy meeting you here? The benefit of Slack and Zoom is we use them every day. They're familiar. They're in everyone's face all the time. The detriment is they're in our face all the time and we use them all the time, right? So I'd love to explore are there other ways we can sort of detach and physically move away from the desk. I've already started formulating like hallway does one thing, but there's a couple other things that I would love to get after and, and maybe even build our own type of hallway interaction or Slack integration that could just put like our kin touch on it. I, we have this thing where we do like... Um, meet the new hires. We, we were hoping that maybe we can do like every week, five of them sign up to be like introducing yourself, talking to a group of people. People can jump into a hallway, jump out of a hallway and really get to know your new kin. But there's just, there's so many different things that I would love to put another survey together. I know it's another survey, but it's a way for us to actually see and validate if people would like uh, these additions or if hallways a, a really great option at this point. When I was listening to Francesca say that, I was just really thinking about how Jay Schwann always says for people to find their passion. And it's really clear that this is your passion, Ahmad. And uh, French, I'm going to say you, you're bringing out your passion too. It's, kind of, it's just cool. It's cool that you guys feel that passion, that you're so geared about it. And actually, when you get into the hallway, it, it shows. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say one of the things that it's more than just remote working it's remote living, right? Like this is not just our workplace that has been turned remote. Like just literally almost every single aspect of our life has been turned remotely. And so it really just puts the pressure on our work relationships that it wouldn't if you were working remotely. So I don't know if anyone else has worked remote, but I did it for about a year and a half, but it was nice. I could go into the office when I wanted to, right? I saw my remote teammates every six weeks we'd get together. And again, once, you know, once I left work, I was free to go interact with all my friends and family, you know, without impedance. And I think what's making it just difficult to deal with the lack of human contact in our workplace is that it's also been cut off out of most other aspects of our lives as well. It might be just a small five minute window of a hallway, but we are getting back some of that connection and it is branching into other areas. People are like, Hey, you know, we're in this hallway, let's go do this other meeting or let's go do this other, other thing or, jump on a phone call rather than a Zoom. And before, to be honest with you, they weren't. Like I'd reach out to, hey, let's like do a, I don't know, like a movie. Let's watch like a 10 minute, 15 minute of a movie just so that we're like on the same call watching a movie together. And people are like, I'm busy or I can't do this, or, I can't do that. But like now that they actually felt it for a minute or two, this connection in a hallway, now they're like, oh, let's grab coffee or let's go do this or let's go do that. And it's really like feeding into that, which is pretty awesome to see. 
And I think that hits on something, Ahmad, that the power of these connections is not determined by the length of them or the, you know, it, even a fleeting 15 second, 30 second interaction can change your whole day. It can make you feel energized. It can make you feel connected to people. And it doesn't have to be, I think before we were like these big grandiose things, but the office is, you know, it's mundane things. It's walking to your next meeting, getting a glass of water and riding the elevator. <laughs> so it is just proving the power of just a small moment can really make a big difference. Oh yeah. Like, um, I was passing by Omar like a, a two a year and a half ago by his computer and he's listening to some 41. Uh, and he was like, you know, I heard it and I was like, man, I haven't heard that song in a really long time. And I remembered that. And then the other day I was in a hallway and I seen Omar is joining. I just jumped onto YouTube. I pulled up some 41 and had it blasting. And as he joined, he was like, Oh yes, that's awesome. Like I needed that. I needed just like that second of this, you know, just like this, this music rocking out, like his day was full of like busy meetings and he just heard like a blast of some 41 and it just like changed his mood for the rest of the night, which was awesome to hear and see. We confirm this later with Omar. Does this look infected? It's probably like the best some 41 album of yeah. all time yeah. and the that, best of that entire subgenre. And uh, just running a simple fact check here, Omar, all killer, no filler is the best some 41 album. Again, fantastic job for the fancy meeting you here team, including lots of other folks who you didn't just hear from, which is true of all three teams. All right, so far Office World showed us how to literally recreate the office into the digital world. Fancy meeting you here focused in on the unplanned spontaneous moments with coworkers. We have one more team to showcase. They started with a different hypothesis that the human connection we get from work is also about meeting new people and forming new connections, which can feel nearly impossible when fully remote work means interactions are scheduled and 99.9% .9 of the time is work focused. This is the Connect team. That's K-I-N-N-E-C-T, like Kin and Carta. See, they're clever already. I'll let them explain what they came up with, but I love how they approached it, particularly with a member of our Buenos Aires team joining the fun. Let's meet the Connect team. Hey everyone, my name is Jorge Viramontes, technical consultant at Kinencarta. My role on the team was sort of a support from a product strategy perspective. Basically, how our project was helping or serving the, the rest of the community. My name is Julie Puttis. I am a product strategist here at Kinencarta. On the team, I filled both roles, product and then scrum. My name is Joan Artigas. I been working in Ankara as a QA analyst for the past almost two years now. In this case, for the Kinect uh, initiative, I took the role of UX researcher and I've been enjoying it, uh, every part of it. All right, cool. So Jorge, uh, since you're working on the product end, maybe you can just tell us, uh, help our audience understand, what is Kinect? So Kinect is an app for us to be able to connect with um, other members at our firm that we may not be able to interact with based on similarities or similar interests. So essentially it was based off of the idea of some popular dating apps where you put a little bit of information about yourself and then other people are able to like or match with uh, the things that you put and then basically creating a platform for people to uh, interact with one another. 
So obviously you have a model in terms of, you know, something like a dating app of, of the structure, but how did you go about sort of choosing what kinds of questions that you're going to ask people to, to determine, you know, compatibility or, or interest? So we were looking at some of the silly polls that Praneet had put together and shares weekly with the team. And there's so much of the Ken and Carter team is really engaged in those polls. Quick side note here, because Julie's right. Praneet, who you heard earlier from the Office World team, sends weekly polls out to the company, and they're outstanding. My personal favorites include, which of the 12 days of Christmas gifts would be the worst one to get? And which type of freshly baked food item would be your weapon of choice in a fight? For reference, correct answers are drummer's drumming and baguette. Okay, now back to Julie. So we modeled a lot of questions off of those existing polls, looking at the ones that were probably like a little bit more like highly engaged. So those were some questions. We were looking at like BuzzFeed. I was looking at BuzzFeed trying to get some inspiration as well as thinking about you know, I was writing some of these questions and it was taking me so long to think about really great questions and answers because I feel like the organization and structure of Kin and Carter, like we have offices across multiple regions. We have team members of different demographics. And so we're trying to think about like if I was taking this quiz and if someone else was taking this quiz and um, Joanne was taking this quiz, like thinking about is there a question, is there a response for every question that everyone feels like they can associate with and rings true for them? That was really hard because of just like the growth and the structure of the business and, and the organization today. So that was a challenge, kind of brainstorming things like that and thinking holistically about how is this applicable to everyone? I mean, that's got to be challenging. We have a Slack channel dedicated to nothing but misunderstandings between language and culture called Cricket Jack based on the fact that in Buenos Aires, you know, when your car gets a flat and the, the device you use to lift up the car so you can change the tire is called a cricket. And in the U.S. and in the U.K., it's called a jack. Right. And so um, I could just see even like asking the same question, you know. Again, I don't know how you'd work tire jack into a question, but it would get, you know, people that have no idea what you're talking about. So, Juan, as a user researcher, like how, you know, how did you approach that problem? How did you try to find what questions you thought would help people? Or did you even consider maybe you asked the, you maybe we could look at locale and say, if I'm going to ask this one question for some person who's coming out of Buenos Aires versus a person who's coming out of the U.S., but they may match if they have, you know, we ask a different question, but it's driving towards the same uh, personality. It was one of the most challenging parts of the building of the app. We actually decided to go to, with a first version of the app that is only in English, because even when we have an office in a Spanish-speaking country or uh, in different countries, the people here communicate in English. And between Europe and the States, maybe you, you could have some words that differ, but the language is at least in between England and United States is the same. That brings some complications because some people from Argentina wasn't aware of some words that were maybe pretty common uh, in English. So we think uh, we keep it simple with words. We use drawings or images 
do we limit the amount of answers? Do we allow them to pick from a list of answers? This was one of the most discussed and debated features. Do we have a skip button to allow people to skip? And if we do, what if they skip all the questions? How are we going to match? That is something that we are still working on so far. We still haven't come with a right answer. But yeah, we have several interviews with several people from all over the world, all the ages, all the levels of knowledge of English language. And the answers are so diverse. And it's so hard to do an, a universal answer for all of them. But I, I wanted to show that we are working to have the best experience across the map so people can interact with each other without caring of where they are or who they are or how long they've been they working in Kinankarta. One of the things of the key pillars I kept during the whole research is I'm trying to find a way that this app is as inclusive and diverse as possible. Because I think this is the one of the cores of, of idea of what what drive us as a B Corp for the last year. I think that's the way to go and what we should have as a North Star during this this development. And so maybe it also help you know us understand a little bit about like what are some examples of some of the of the questions um, that you asked? Ooh, the question I feel like that was Probably one of my favorite was, which is your favorite Harry, <laughs> was the question. And so I was thinking about the options, and I think it was like Harry Styles, Harry Kane, who's a professional soccer football player. Prince Harry was one option. can't remember the fourth, but I thought that that was... Harry Potter. That was it. That was it. <laughs> Harry Potter and was answered unanimously by all the users. They all pick Harry Potter. Really? That was the number one answer. I love that. That was... See, that one I feel like I just like grabbed. I was like, okay, I'll fictional character. But that was my favorite question because I feel like it really touched on like the personality at the firm. And I think it was silly and lighthearted, but I also feel like you can really like have a conversation off of that. You know, if you were somebody that answered that Harry Styles was your favorite Harry, it's like, okay, so maybe you like pop genre music. Like, you know, have you listened to, you know, his latest release singles? Like, let's talk about, you know, Watermelon Crush. Uh, Like, let's talk about his music. I love how the group tapped into this and it's becoming a common theme we've heard throughout each team. It's the little things, particularly as people within the company started using it. It became really clear that, yes, a brief conversation about why Harry Styles might be a genius with someone you otherwise might not have met within the company can do remarkable things for morale. It helps fill up the part of the brain that needs that sense of belonging and shared experience. The conversations can happen naturally. They just need the right nudge. Something else that really struck me in our conversation with the Connect team was that There's so much you can only learn through doing. They uncovered so many critical questions, like cross-cultural questions through extensive scenario planning, user journey mapping, which made them continuously have to prioritize what they did next, just like a client project. Here's Jorge walking us through what that looked like. So at the beginning, there was a huge effort from the technical side to get a lot of the Firebase infrastructure in place to get... Uh, some of the back ends, we chose the GraphQL. We created these architecture diagrams, which are great and are necessary. And at the same time, given the time frame that we had for ourselves, we started to pivot and say, well, 
it's really more important for us right now to make sure that Lauren, she did a great job on, on the design work to have some great designs that show the prototype and so that Joanne can then use that for validation research. There are lots of questions that we didn't really think of. Well, if somebody skips all of the questions, how can we match them to anything? So figuring out those and just being able to prioritize to understand what should we be focusing on first, um, that definitely changed throughout throughout the months. Had you thought through also, what if nobody matches anybody, right? Like, I'm the one guy who picks Harry Styles, everyone else picks Harry Potter. Clearly, I don't belong. So what is it just like, maybe, maybe you should go somewhere else for friendship? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that what, what we said was, you'll, you'll be ranked with everyone. So we started with a very small user base, but you know, say there were 10 people, if you literally matched zero across the board, well, hey, look, here's 10 other people on this platform. But then the more questions that you answered, the higher up the ranking algorithm would put them with your interests. Probably wouldn't scale if we're trying to be the next dating app, but... Okay, I feel better about being a digital black sheep. Again, the effort to make this real, even as a prototype, is extraordinary. So for me, it was nice to kind of, after working an eight-hour workday, to kind of, you know, put work aside and just connect and see, you know, friends on the team. It felt like I was getting connection, right, out of this experience, and I felt like that plus our our Wednesday check-in where where Joan was always in attendance you know we could see his face too just given the time difference like I really enjoy just just seeing people and having fun with the zoom versus like zoom fatigue which is very very real experience and something that I think for me personally I was struggling with throughout this remote work world I can't leave aside the fact of being able and given the opportunity to learn a new skill and work on that in an internal project was amazing. People was really open to help and giving me a hand whenever I needed. And I think that allowed me to do a, a pretty good job. So it was my first time doing this for a project. But what I like the most is being able to, to work with a team that I, I never worked before with, with, never, with uh, either of them. Uh, with none of them, I, I didn't work before. This opportunity, it, it was just an opportunity to flex a different muscle, right? Like flexing different muscles like in our brains. Obviously, I've been writing code for so long and just like it could have been, oh, OK, this is a different project to code, which is fine. But it was more so, OK, we have this idea. We have this problem. People are not being able to connect with each other. How can we solve it? What do people want? What don't people want? How much time do we have? Like, how much time do people have to contribute? Like, flexing those different muscles, you know, that I, I wouldn't regularly flex on a client engagement. It was super cool. And yeah, it was a great investment of having some good times with some new and old friends. Just yesterday at our quarterly Oh my gosh! I almost shed a tear uh, from the, the, the background music. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> and just just seeing that, um, uh, I think that a lot of people really responded positively to at least the, the intent behind the project. And if we're able to continue to stir up excitement, I think that people will definitely be open to to learning more, engaging with it. So. The excitement that comes from us, the people who are leading it, 
is just as important as the product that we're making. I agree with what Jorge just said. I was also very, very happy on the the acceptance and the receiving we have during this quarterly because we invested a lot emotionally in this app because it, it was so fun to work it and we work it on it uh, because we want to. Truly, the reason why I joined this project was because of the idea and the theme and the importance around connection. When I was 18, freshman in college, I heard someone mention that the purpose of life was all about building relationships and connecting with others. And it like rocked my world to hear that. And it for me, it like really resonated of like, you're absolutely right. I feel like when I was thinking a lot about like the purpose of life pre-college before that experience, it was it's like, you know, to be happy, find joy. And everything that I was saying was like, that's true, but it just kind of fell flat, felt really like 2D. And when I heard that in passing, I remember the day, I remember it was sunny where I was. I, I stopped in my tracks and I was like, no one's ever told me that. No one's ever formed that in my head. And I felt like for me, it really started to kick things off of like, that's important to me. Like, I don't want to be remembered. And I think everyone here, like, I can't speak actually for everyone, but I don't want to be remembered so much for the things that I do, but for the way I make people feel. And I think that that directly translates into your relationships with others and the connections that you have. And so it kind of just like really started my focus, shifting my focus on what was really important, which was the people around me and how I can lift them up and make them feel. So for me, that's true. I I said this months ago, but that was the reason why. That's great. That's really great, Julie. I love that. Well said, Julie. Well said, Julie, indeed. Each one of these teams was given the challenge to help reconnect and revitalize relationships within the company. And as we hope you've gotten a sense of, they absolutely succeeded. Not only did they build real, viable experiences, but what quickly became clear, the project itself was accomplishing the task. People rallied together, and as they brainstormed ways to feel connected to one another, they actually became better connected to one another. We wanted to make this episode because we're clearly still overcoming the COVID-19 pandemic, and we know we're not alone in feeling the effects of unprecedented remote work. So if the stories you just heard resonate with you, honestly, if you're still listening to me at this point, it seems something has resonated or you fell asleep a long time ago and I'm currently talking to your floor. Either way, if you're a manager or leader of any kind, and if you have creative people on your team, not necessarily people with creative in their job description, but people who love to solve problems, build things, test ideas, play with solutions, unleash them on it. See what people come up with. At the very least, the pursuit of what's possible is often reward enough. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a virtual conga line that's calling my name. That's our episode, which means that's a wrap on season one of Working Better. Thank you for listening and engaging with us. It's been a heck of an experiment itself. Thank you for letting me crawl out of the internet and into your ear. I've had a blast and I learned a lot. I hope you have too. If you have feedback, ideas, questions about how much of a monster Kent really is, or about the next season of Working Better, we want to hear from you. Reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. 
Or if you don't want to continue to support the social media industrial complex, all you have to do is jot down your ideas on a piece of paper, step outside, and then light the paper on fire. The smoke will carry your thoughts to us. If you like the show, remember to subscribe and give us a bajillion star review on your podcast dispenser of choice. Thank you to the team that makes this possible. Chris Mitchell is our sound engineer. Belen Battisti is our production coordinator. Max Parsal is our writer, producer, and editor. Katie Pooler is our pooler. And of course, a huge thank you to the many people who worked on the three experiences that we talked about during our show. We would not have had a show without you. Well, we would have had a show. It just would have been very short and kind of sad. So, thanks to Omar Shanti, Chris Weiland, Breit Torns, Dianesh Mulliger, Kim Ortegel, Nicole Wagner, Thane Humphrey, Ahmad Assad, Francesca Frenchy Silva, Trish Berry, Joan Artigas, Jorge Piramantis, Julie Pudis, Kevin Ma, Lauren Blackburn, Salman Khan, Sean Grievers, Adam Graham, Charlie Farmer, Isabella Stamatoba, Matias Macri, Pernit Segal, Tyler McCreary. You guys are great. Thanks so much. I'm Scott Herms. I'm your personal ear candy and responsible for the occasional joke or two. Thank you and see you next time.